it's got about as much truth to it as the King Arthur legends, probably. Yeah, so I great. I know like made up history, which is probably even worse because I'm going to go over there and be like, hey, I know your history about Lubu and Li Fei and Guan Yu, and they're going to be like, you idiot foreigner. You mean Dynasty Warriors isn't real? Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Edson, and I'm joined by my regular discoursers, Travis Hudson and Andrew Riley. Gentlemen, it has been far too long. So, we're going to start off a new podcast series since we got such uh, great feedback for the movies of the 1990s and movies of the 2000s. We thought, what else are we experts on outside of opinions on movies? And we decided video games. And so, we figured we would do a podcast series going through the various generations of video games and Doing the same kind of thing where we picked our 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 picks for the the best in various categories and playing a guessing game uh, to see if we can guess, see how well we know our friends. So, Andrew, why don't you get, uh, tell the audience what the generation is that we're talking about t- today? So we're going to be talking about generations of video games. and We're going to try and do categories within these generations. We're going to look at one generation today, but it's important to understand what the generations are. Um Generation of video games means video games that came out for a generation of consoles, essentially. But we're not going to limit ourselves to just talk about console video games. We're going to use that as sort of the template for what we're going to work with. So the third generation of video games is the video game uh, games that came out on the consoles of the Famicom or Nintendo Entertainment System, the Sega Master System, the Atari 7800, or any PC games that would have come out and would have been contemporaneous with games released on those systems. So roughly, video games released between 1983 and 1987. And to give us some guidance on what we're actually going to, how to select our games, we have five major categories. We have most fun with friends, then best music, best story, most memorable, a personal best, and then we'll finish off with some worthy of discourse for something that maybe didn't fit in one of the other categories. And Andrew, I didn't mean to steal your thunder before, but do you want to explain maybe the rules of the guessing game? Yeah, we're going to keep up with the guessing, so we try to say that we know each other pretty well. We're going to try and take stabs at the games that are on each other's lists. We have more games to choose from in terms of more categories, but there's also a much wider range of games even than there were movies uh, and for some of these generations, it may be difficult because we didn't have the experience of playing together that we did with so many movies of the period of time that we were talking about. So it's going to be interesting to see if we can pull these guesses off. Uh, we're going to be guessing one game for each of our fellow uh, participants here. And if it is a match for any of the five categories, that'll count as a point, a miss, no points. And whoever gets the most points earns some pride bucks. So should we go ahead and start off by telling the audience what our picks are, our guesses are for each other, so we can kind of cheer and boo as we go along with our actual picks? Let's do it. I think that sounds like a good idea. All right, so I'll go ahead and kick us off. Andrew, whenever I think about you, I think about your love of Final Fantasy. And so why not stick with the the first Final Fantasy uh, for that most people have played? Final Fantasy for the Nintendo Entertainment System. The Final Fantasy the, that has so many sequels. Yes, the 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 worst um, the worst naming since the Neverending Story, I, I think. Uh, and Travis, for whatever reason, I associate you very strongly with Castlevania II: Simon's Quest because I know you're a fan of the Castlevania games, and Castlevania II, I think, is one of those all time classics that really kind of uh, um, put put Castlevania on the map, if you will. And so I'm going to go with Castlevania II: Simon's Quest for you. Okay. For my guesses, uh, Paul, 
I'm going to take an easy one here uh, because I had to slot it in somewhere, basically, and I had such a hard time guessing anywhere else. I'm going to say that somewhere on your list, you've got Tetris. And Travis, I'm going to take uh, a similar attack to what Paul took with me, and I'm going to say Final Fantasy is on your list because I think that's a very good fit. Okay. We'll see. And for Paul, this might be a mismemory on my part, so we'll see. I'm picking a deep cut for you, a Crystallis. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and then for Andrew, this was a hard generation because I wasn't entirely sure what you were playing at this time. So I went with not Final Fantasy. I went with Dragon Warrior. Mm. Oh, but you must. So, Paul, you can kick us off with your revealing your most fun with friends game. Most fun with friends. So uh, this was I, I found this a little hard, surprisingly, because I, when I think about the times that I uh, the, the time I probably spent most playing video games, it was probably this generation, right? Like your kids, you have a lot of free time. I probably play with friends a ton. And so there were so many great choices to choose from. But I think ultimately the game that I remember just having such a blast and laughing uncontrollably while playing so much counterintuitively is Super Mario Brothers 3. Mm-hmm. And not only was it playing just like the, the back and forth Mario and Luigi like going through and, and, and stuff like that, but specifically when you fought each other during those those mini games. Um, I don't know if you remember them or not, but uh, you could go to, I don't even remember the mechanic of how it happened, but you basically played like one of the old, I think regular Mario Brothers kind of things where there was those spiky guys coming out of the pipes and there's the power block in the middle and everything. And I remember spending entire afternoons just constantly playing those and l- laughing uproariously as like you would knock somebody from below and, and get to steal their coins and, and do whatever else. And to me, that was the the game that I really thought of that had the most fun with friends. I totally don't That's remember that. Pretty awesome. I totally don't remember that being in Super Mario Bros. Three, but I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, doubt I, saw, I saw the blank stare from you, so I'm like, I, I think as, I'm right about this. Soon, as soon as you mentioned the the flashback to the original Mario Bros., not Super Mario Brothers, I was like, oh yeah, that was a part of the game. But I definitely have much more vivid memories of Super Mario Brothers three in the single player mode, mm-hmm. and even more in the competitive mode. You know, I remember you, know, you say Super Mario Brothers three, and for me, one of the very first things that will pop to mind is the, the, the Fred Savage, the Wizard, movie. yeah, the yeah. Wizard, right? And that's I, I, I recently rewatched that. It, it's not great, but it doesn't <laughs> really, you know, it, it shows its age, but it's not bad. So uh, that's that's definitely a game of the generation that I can appreciate. I'm just surprised that it's the choice for um, most fun with friends because I don't remember playing it co-op at all, really. Although I did spend a lot of time playing it. Although it does speak to something that maybe not so much for me in this generation, maybe the next generation, um, watching people play single player games. Like, I know that's mm-hmm. a thing now where people watch Twitch and everything, but to me, I don't want to sit down and watch somebody else usually play, although I kind of am with my son now at this point. Well, I feel like Super Mario Brothers 3 might have a lot of speed runs on the internet, too. I'm guessing with all the warp whistles and whatnot. Right. But I mean, like, I imagine it's pretty fast. But I mean, that's like you're watching like somebody with skill, but like watching some (laughs) just watching your random friend sitting next to you fumble through level four. Are you implying I don't have skill in Super Mario (laughs) Brothers 3? I'm sure you used two warp whistles in a row and skipped all the way to world eight. I always try to. (laughs) Did you memorize all the card layouts? Oh, God, no. No. no, okay. I was not that hardcore. Although I, I think I had the Nintendo Power or the the, the strategy, strategy guide that had it. So I think if I if I really wanted to cheat, I could. Yeah, remember strategy guides? Wow, <laughs> man, that's that's bringing back some memories. I forgot about the card layouts, and I, I I remember getting really good at the pattern matching to get the three layers of the of the symbol at the end of each level. Oh yeah, yeah, I knew the the pattern and all that. Yeah. All right, man. Those are some good memories, though. <laughs> all right, you're jumping ahead of category. <laughs> <But> not, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> 
Not not for co op though. That was all single player stuff. All right. What's your most uh, fun for, with for friends? For me, my most fun with friends uh, was uh, Excite Bike. It's going to mm-hmm. be an odd choice, I think, but uh, Excite Bike was just so much fun because it had you know opportunities to build levels for each other. And I remember spending lots of days and afternoons building insane levels to try and trip up our friends uh, who would then take turns playing our crazy levels. And this kind of creativity in, in building in video games didn't really reappear until much, much later. Um, there are definitely a lot of games I spent a lot of time uh, passing the controller on. But in terms of pure fun with friends, I don't think that anything beat Excite Bike for me. So for me, Excite Bike is an arcade experience because the, the machine, actually, Andrew might have a similar experience. If you ever went to the rec center on the a main road in our old neighborhood, they had Excite yep. Bike in the rec center there. So after I had swim class or soccer or whatever random sport my parents were making me play when I was like four or five years old, I would we would go and play a psych, Excite Bike. I didn't play much of it on the uh, the arcade there. There is another game that I played on the arcade at that uh, rec center. That'll talk about a little bit later on, though. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not sure if any, any, of, any of our audience is going to understand what that means, but I don't know. Well, the, well, something that's much more obvious than an arcade game. I played Excite Bike on the NES in, in our home console situation. Right. So, but I can definitely understand it because it was in the arcade as well, at least in a uh, uh, brief period of time. And I can understand that being your experience with it. For me, it was the co-op experience. All right. So my this was actually a tough category for me personally. It came down to two games. I'm going to try not to cheat and pick both. Um, I guess I'll, I'm going to flip a coin right here on air and just I'll go with Rampage. Talking about arcade. I, I'm talking about arca- you out. You didn't actually flip a coin there. <laughs> talking about arcade games that we played at home. I definitely played Rampage far more at home. If I, I probably played it at arcade at some point, but yeah, playing Rampage was endless fun and just kind of like Paul talking about the competition. It was just as much fun, obviously, to go knock your friend off of their building and like eat their people and stuff as it was to actually destroy your buildings or do anything else. And I don't convert them back to a human and then eat them as the human. Right. And like, yeah, just the monstrosity stuff you can do. Like that. I'll be honest. I didn't even know there was anything to do other than to beat the crap out of your friend in that game. Was there, was there some <laughs> the, other goal? The point of the game is to destroy the buildings. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, the point of the game is sure. you are wreck it Ralph. And yeah. <laughs> I'm going to wreck it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. I'm, no. That that's a good pick. I I also have very fun memories of beating the crap out of friends and getting the crap beaten out of me in Rampage. So I'll I'll probably bring my other choice in up there for in the worthy for discourse. But that's for the end. So Paul, what's your best music? Best music. So I'm I'm gonna guess I'm not the only person to pick this, but maybe I am. Uh, to me, the choice was kind of obvious. Although there, uh, there's a lot of games where I'll find myself humming the tune to old Nintendo games a lot, but. I think Mega Man 2 takes the cake for me. Um, it's th- hands down, like, I, I think so many of the levels I could almost instantaneously start humming. Um, there's a there's a site that one of our, our old friends was associated with, OC Remix, that had a lot of uh, remixes of old video game music. And I would I went there and I downloaded, like, everything they had for, uh, what is it, Wily Castle 2, I think, is, is one of my personal favorites. Um different songs they have to go along with that and it's just uh it's a really impressive soundtrack across the board i um i don't think there's a weak link and we're talking about uh i think we're talking about eight uh bosses in that game so eight different levels different different themes to go along with it so uh, Mega Man 2 is my hands down pick for best music of this generation to be honest Mega Man 2 was my easy guess for you so mm. i should have picked it but i wanted to try to get a a different game name thrown. No pity there. points for you. No, I'm not going for pity points, um, but I, I knew Mega right. Man 2 would have to be in there somewhere. Yeah. 
Not, not my Mega personal Man favorite series. Mega Man game, but that's definitely my favorite for the mo- uh, music. I uh, I wish I had played more of the Mega Man series in this time period because I think I um, would have really liked all of that music as well. I got to know the music of Mega Man 2 in college through that same uh, collection. Uh, but it's good music, no doubt about it. Yeah. So, Andrew, tell me, tell me what, the, what I should have picked. Well, I don't know that you should have picked it because I think your pick was really strong. Uh, I went from my choice, from my experience of playing games uh, on the Nintendo uh, and said, you know, which of these games that I played could I say add good music? And I went with Castlevania II Simon's Quest. Um, it's an interesting choice for me because I'll be honest, I don't particularly like the game. I got it as a Christmas present for my grandparents, and I love my grandparents to death, but they knew I had a Nintendo Entertainment System. And they're like, hey, here's a game. It's, <laughs> it's Play it. So I got it. And of course, when you're that age and these are the games you have, you play that game a lot, whether you like it or not, because it's the game you've got. Uh, so I played it a ton and I tried to get it uh, figure out, but I couldn't figure out what was going on. I didn't have the strategy guide. And even if I did, I don't think I could ever figure out what I was supposed to do in that game. But it meant I got to hear some of the uh, pieces of music an awful lot. And that is some good music. You so. know, to your, to your credit, to the to your point, um, as soon as you said that, one of the songs popped into my head. And I'm like, I've been humming it to myself like... E- Picture like a Homer Simpson bubble with like the monkey with the symbols or something. I, I didn't hear anything you said, but I was like listening to the music like, yeah, that is now some the, good music. Now, the question is, was it Bloody Tears or was it? Uh, um, I, don't, no. I don't know. Or was it Monster no. uh, Monster Waltz or something like that is the town music or something like that? Yeah, I think Monster Waltz then because I, I did take a moment to uh, pull up the soundtrack for it just to remind myself. It's like, oh, yeah, the Castlevania had great music. What? Well, was this actually new music in Castlevania 2 or was it music from Castlevania? And it's then new. am I cheating as I pick this? <laughs> so I, I made sure that it didn't have sufficient yep. new tracks to really warrant the pick. And those new tracks are still very good, although the Castlevania series uh, is one that is well known for having excellent music throughout. So a couple of quick things is to go back on Paul's, I'm sh- I was actually shocked when you said you thought Castlevania 2 was one of the classic ones because it's generally regarded as one of the worst entries in the series. Oh, really? Precis- okay. Precisely because of what Andrew was talking about. Like, no one could figure out what the hell to do in that game <laughs> yeah. when it came out. Confusing as all hell, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. several years later, I did, I, I think I just had to get off over one point. Like, there was some, you know, like, duck down on this random spot for 10 seconds and right. then you can I remember that kneel remember in that. front of the yeah. cliff if yeah. you have the item in your yeah. inventory and it's selected and you kneel for an absurdly long period of time it's 10 or 15 seconds yeah. without doing anything else then a whirlwind comes and picks you up and teleports you to another part of the world what yeah so <laughs> i it, never figured that out as it, a kid. it never. was stuff like that so honestly that's probably why your grandparents bought you two because it was probably cheaper than buying one or three <laughs> was probably the reason why that's the one you got if they saw those on the stack um i i almost am going to guarantee you that it was in the quasi bargain bin at the kmart that they were shopping at and it's like okay we need to buy the kid a, a, a christmas present we know he likes the nintendo games which one of these five games in here do we think is going to be the best fit uh, this one looks like it's you know <laughs> the least offensive <laughs> really the castlevania was the least offensive one i don't know what else was in the bin right so i'm That's guessing fair yeah it could be wampum <laughs> Custard's okay. Revenge or whatever, Custard's Revenge. Yeah, no, that, that would not have been in the bargain then, thank yeah. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. All right, uh, Travis, your turn for best music. Paul, you were close. Ah. Oh. It's it, Castlevania it, it 1. Castlevania 1? Oh, it's you Castlevania suck. 1. No, I went back and listened to both soundtracks, and the first three levels of Castlevania are seared into my memory. Partially because that's as far as I usually got, was to the mummies at the end of level 3. I think I got the Frankenstein at the end of level 4, like, twice. 
I never beat Castlevania one. I, I don't think I, I don't think I ever once got to Dracula in Castlevania one, but I played levels one through three over and over and over. So I know vampire hunter very, very well. That that's the song that pops into my head just as often as super Mario brothers theme or legend of Zelda theme or any of the other ones like vampire hunter is what pops in my head. And I almost picked Castlevania two just because of mostly because of bloody tears um, and a few other songs, but there are far better renditions of Castlevania two songs later in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably also just as good versions of the Castlevania one songs, but yeah, those, when I went back, if, if I just listen to those, I can see the level in, entirely when I hear the music. Yeah, so it's Man, a- two, two, two of us guessing on the Castlevania series for best music is really uh, that's that's saying something about the composer, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, and it, it's I, I guess I need to go back to Castlevania one and listen to some of that music. Um, but you 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 brought up an interesting point that I didn't even really think about. Like, how many of these games did we end up beating? Because I'm looking through my list, <laughs> I don't know if I ever like seriously. How many Nintendo games did I beat? Oh. It might be zero. I don't uh. know. <laughs> I have some on the list that I'll be talking about shortly where I beat, and some of that will come into play. Okay. But my first game, Excite Bike, you can't beat it. There's right. nothing to beat. Yeah. That's no. a, that's a, and a lot of games are like that, where you know the, the gameplay is a loop, an infinite loop, essentially. They also still uh, had. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. They also still had the arcade mentality mm-hmm. of how many more quarters? Can yeah. We how many? And they they kind of forgot like, oh, people are playing this at home. We're there. We already have their money. Maybe maybe let's let them have fun. So, <laughs> although we had fun, so we can't <laughs> we can't fault them for that. <laughs> We kept coming back for more. So there are no microtransactions yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, not not yet. No expansion. No season passes. All right. So we've talked about fun. We've talked about music. Paul, what's the game had the best story? So this one, I it, uh, this is my deep cut because I can't imagine anyone ever guessing this. And honestly, if I'm to be honest, I didn't even play this game all that much. But it it's the story is is definitely seared into my memory, and it's Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Hmm. And hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, anyone who's familiar with the time period knows that it's just like, it's like a massive soap opera of twists and turns and changing alliances and everything. And I remember playing that game and thinking, okay, I, I've, I've seen the opening cutscene. These, the yellow turbans, those are the bad guys. They're, they're the big bad, right? That's the end boss that I'm going to have to defeat. And like, I don't know, a, a tenth of the way through, like they're defeated and are like, totally sidelined and there's just another big bad like okay this emperor this is the big bad right here and and oh wait no now he's my ally and oh this other guy is a big bad and oh oh no no he now he's on my team too but the previous big bad is now the bad guy and and it's just a constantly shifting set of alliances and and i i remember clearly the moment when lu bu like betrayed Dynasty, me and i'm like Dynasty warriors yeah, I'm like, you son of a... Like, I was so mad at him because he was my best general and I was kicking butt with him and I'm like, this is so awesome. I'm invincible. And then he like just switched sides and I'm, I was... I don't know if I had been so mad at a character in a video game up until that point. Um, and it was just an incredibly uh, interesting and engaging story. And um, it's something that really stuck out to me in a, in a generation where usually the story is Dr. Wily is doing bad stuff go kill him and that's it right or Coop, king koopa has kidnapped princess peach go stop him and the big End twist of story. and the big twist is she's in another castle <laughs> <laughs> yeah or the big twist is like hey it's mr x is doing bad things i wonder who he could be it's dr wiley <laughs> you know so it, it was just it's introduced me to the idea of the fact that like hey there could be twists and turns in the story and that was it was pretty mind-blowing as a kid i did not even my- know 
I didn't, I didn't even know this was a Nintendo game. I remember that company, I guess they were still just mm-hmm. Kawaii instead of Tecmo, Kawaii Tecmo. I remember mm-hmm. them more as a Super Nintendo. There were a lot of their games I played for that. But I also wonder, because jumping ahead to that generation a little bit, like one of the games I played there was Liberty or Death, which was based on the American Revolution. And you know Benedict Arnold's going to betray you at some point. Mm. So I wonder if you knew the history of the Three Kingdoms you would have already known Lubu was going to betray you or, you know. But right. So the knowledge of this, because it's it's a historical fiction piece. It's based it's based on a historical novel, which itself is a fictionalized retelling of events that may or may not have precisely occurred that way. But they are part of the culture of Japan and China that we don't have nearly as much. So the people who are playing this in Japan uh, would have been recognizing this before us. Uh, but... The fact that it came through and translated so well for you is fantastic, and it, it shows that you know the ability to tell the story is there in the media, and we can learn from it as well. That we're able to learn true things from playing our games. Yeah, I was going to say like it, it's a history lesson that stuck with Paul. I'm sure that <laughs> you you know a lot more you know a lot more history now. The the only problem is I I mean I think everyone pretty much agrees it's probably not accurate history. Or oh no, it's, it's, it's a fictional. It's a retelling of a fictionalized version of history to start off with. You know, <laughs> it's 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 got about as much truth to it as the King Arthur legends, probably. Yeah. So I great. I know like made up history, which is probably even worse because I'm going to go over there and be like, hey, I know your history about Lubu and Li Fei and Guan Yu, and they're going to be like, you idiot. Foreigner. You mean Dynasty Warriors isn't real? <laughs> <laughs> it may not be. They didn't mow down thousands and thousands of enemy soldiers. All right. So, Andrew, what what is your best story? So, for me, the best story has to be Dragon Warrior Four, also known as Dragon Quest Four. Damn it! I got so the series, not the game. Close <laughs> yeah. series, but not the game. Uh, and for a similar reason as to what Paul is talking about, Dragon Warrior Four introduced a narrative style to video games that hadn't existed in games for me up until that point. You have Ragnar, the king's knight, going off on a quest to find the missing children of the kingdom, and you get, like, four hours of gameplay with Ragnar, and then suddenly, no, now you're Alina, and you get four hours of gameplay with Alina, and no, now you're Taloon, and Taloon is one of my favorite characters in terms of you know storytelling and then no you're um the twin sisters a magic user and a dancer and then wait no now you're finally the hero and it all comes together and you collect all these party members that you've already been playing with all along and the narrative arc of each of these characters was building up to this whole total story of saving the world which of course is the rpg trope but it was done in a way that no game had ever been done for me before. You know, people had, uh, my friends had tried to get me to play Zelda. Like, this is some amazing game. The story is great. The story is not really all that great when you play the original um, Zelda game. You know, you, you have an overarching story, and then you go off and do gameplay things, which is great. That's what you want your video games to do. But if you want a story, there's nothing that's going to give you a story quite so well as an RPG. And Dragon Quest IV, Dragon Warrior IV, was the RPG that introduced me to RPGs and stories. All right. Well, <laughs> we're, we're speechless. <laughs> we're speechless. Um, yeah, I thought Dragon Warrior 4 was the one where you had like three different characters in it. But honestly, the only one I ever played was Dragon Warrior. So I had no experience with 2, 3, or 4. I didn't play another one until 7, I think, was on PlayStation. Um, I think that's right. Maybe it was 8. I lose track, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, but but to, to your point though, I mean, it, you you kind of took a little sideswipe at uh, at Legend of Zelda. I was kind of surprised, and this is a little bit of a spoiler. I didn't have Legend of Zelda as any of my picks here, and that kind of surprised me a little bit. But every time I kept on going back to it, I'm like, yeah, 
I, I, you know, I love the Zelda games. I have, a, I have nostalgic feelings for them, but um, they didn't, even for the time, they didn't seem really all that great. Like they, it wasn't a great story. Um, the music, yeah, the music was, I, there's an iconic, there's like one iconic song, I think maybe, maybe two, but not, not a huge amount of variety. And, uh, there were other games that just seemed to clearly surpass it in so many other areas that I was, I was a little surprised that Zelda didn't measure up uh, a little bit better than it did considering how much longevity it has compared to a lot of these other games. Not, not Dragon Warrior. Obviously, Dragon Warrior is one of the most prodigious series <laughs> of all time. But um, yeah, I think in particular, this generation's two Zelda games don't, I don't know, don't particularly hold up well for me. Yeah, I think speaking that's, speaking, that's of, speaking of games I never beat, I never I never beat the first Legend of Zelda, which I know one of my friends would be shocked to hear that. Yeah. I didn't beat the Legend of Zelda either, but I did beat Dragon Warrior Four. <laughs> it took me a really long time, and I think I was in high school when I finally did it. So it wasn't <laughs> like it, but I did beat it. I finally got through all that whole story and beat the final boss. So my best story is the other big role playing game is Final Fantasy. Just the. Uh, just like the whole notion of like you cross the bridge after doing the, the first dungeon and like that's, you know, that's just the beginning. And now there's this whole other world with elf princes and dwarven villages and the furies and you're trying to stop a time paradox and all this, the floating castles and Tiamat. And some of it's probably also the fact that I've seen these elements again and again and again in other games in Final Fantasy, but like. When I experienced it, all that stuff was new. Like nowadays we take it for granted. Like, oh yeah, a fighter, a thief, a white mage, a black mage. Maybe you have a ninja or a bard or whatever. But like that was the beginning of it all, at least for for me. Like I hadn't played Dungeons and Dragons or anything at that point. And so, but just having that story, I don't think I, I probably hadn't read much fantasy novels. So I didn't know how much tropes it was probably relying on at that point. But yeah, just establishing and, it has, and the fact that it, we're talking about lineages at this point, it established so much that has gone on for the next 15 mainline games, as much as they've diverged from the core philosophy into multiplayer and real-time action games almost. Like, it's, they still maintain some of these core elements from this story of, you know, crystal, like the crystals have been around forever. The crystals and the time paradoxes just keep coming back. Yeah. And classes, the class system, I mean, that's gameplay, not necessarily story, but... But it's also impressive that you could imprint so much, like Dragon Warrior 4, granted, I haven't played it, but like Dragon Warrior, like had a singular character, like they knew what they were dealing with. Like, so you could, in theory, kind of tailor it. They know it's a knight, you know, they couldn't predict if you were going to play Final Fantasy as four white mages, but the story, the story still works, you know, not, not like there's much character interaction in the first one. I guess there's not really that much talking with the characters. As far as I know, they're all silent. I'm sure they talk at some point, but... Um, I like swords. <laughs> yes. It, not, yes. Not, not quite. But. And it gave us 8-bit theater. Yeah, one of the best yeah. web comics ever. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's been a long time, so I could not... I mean, I'm flipping back and forth to the Wikipedia to even refresh my memory on maybe some of the finer details, but like just that the archetypal template of a fantasy story in general came from that game for me. Is that the uh, first pride book that has been distributed? It is. We had some near misses. We had some near misses. Yeah. I actually asked Andrew before we were recording this, like 
for something like music, I was like, do I have to pick a game or can I say a series? And he insisted I pick <laughs> an actual game. So otherwise you yeah, might've got was, a point. That brutal. Because I would have said, I would have said Castlevania, but. But hmm. it's very, I mean, yes, obviously the series, and especially if you have multiple games in the console generation, it's really tough on that. But it's, it is about the games, not about the series, because otherwise we're just talking about our favorite series. I think you also wind up getting fewer and fewer sequels in the same generation as we, as we're going to move on. They weren't. They, the games yeah, do take, seem to take longer. They don't pump out games like they are. They did at this. Generation. I was surprised that Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior Dragon Quest Four was in this generation. I, well, I knew they made a lot. They got up to like, the very end. They got up to eight it's, Mega Man's on Nintendo, didn't they? <laughs> uh, no, six on six? Nintendo. I think seven, eight, nine were like Xbox games or something. That oh, okay. I, th- I thought not, I thought that started with nine. Okay. I thought I, I'm pretty sure six is the last on Nintendo. Okay, but. Don't hold me to that. I'm sure our our two audience members will fact check right. me on that. Well, as we're as we're talking about our terrible memories, Paul, what's your most memorable <laughs> game? Well, <laughs> so here, here's a good segue. Uh, we're about to distribute another. No, I, I, because... I already made a good segue. Don't ruin it. <laughs> okay, then, <laughs> then screw that segue, Travis. Your your deep cut was right. Uh, my most memorable was Crystalis or yes! Crystalis. I'm not sure. Not sure how to pronounce the game, <laughs> the name of the game, but. Um, yeah, th- this was um, kind of a little similar to Romance of the Three Kingdoms. It really kind of introduced me to uh, an actual in-depth story. And, and I'm going to go back a little bit more to like Legend of Zelda. It's It blows yeah. the story of Legend of Zelda out of the water, right? I, like, I, I knew you, you were going to say this is the better Legend of Zelda. Yeah, I mean, I, it's kind of surprising and disappointing to me that Legend of Zelda is the one that's, mem- that's noted as being like the, the great game of this generation, or the that style of game from this generation when I feel like even in terms of music and stuff, Crystalis is, is so much better. There's a wide cast of characters that um, you check in with throughout the game. It's not just like the merchant that you buy things from or something like that. Um, it's dangerous const- to go alone. It's yeah, not much of a character. You see once and you stab him in the, in the heart and then you just leave with the sword. <laughs> um, uh, or anything like that it's these are there's the, the wise men that ch- they to check in with you throughout the, the game um people die and there's uh, i have a very clear memory of going into this village and in these types of games you go into a village and you're safe there's no enemies there right there's shops and you can save and you can do all this stuff and this it's the trope that like while you're in the village you're safe from enemies and stuff like that well later on you return to that village and the the bad guys have attacked it and sacked it and everything like it's there's bodies everywhere there's buildings are burning and there's and there's a big boss there at the end and you run into one of your your mentors slash like uh compatriots who's who's dying there and it's like oh my god like <laughs> this is this is heavy like you don't normally see like characters that you've grown to care about throughout here dying like in a video game like that this is this is this is kind of big and uh and that that memory um that particular memory is definitely seared into me but it's it's more than just that it's uh, the entire game um it's it's really an impressive game and i think it's it's criminally underrated I, there's a lot of people out there who probably have never heard of it and um and i think it's a shame because it was it's definitely my most memorable game of this generation i've heard of it but i've never played it and it sounds like i need to rectify that i, I don't know if it, it will have aged well i know the gameplay is is eh, you know it's just it's pretty repetitive you just go around like whacking things with a sword um, it definitely suffers from the, I don't know what to do now. I guess I'll call up the Nintendo hotline to find <laughs> out that, oh, I need to go to this one place and, and randomly play this flute. And then the bad guy appears. And that's how I progress. Um, there's actually, 
a random side note, that's the one and only time I ever called it the Nintendo Hotline <laughs> is because I I was so involved in this game, I wanted to figure out how to progress and I couldn't figure it out. And I had to, I, I begged my parents, like, can I please call this hotline and figure out what to do? Because I just don't know how to do it. And you didn't have the internet back then to figure it out. So I called it up and they're like, oh yeah, you just got to go here and then play the flute and then the bad guy shows up and, I'm, and I went forward and to this day, it's the only, the only game I paid money to figure out how to beat. Well, so. like that. Well, yes, <laughs> like that. Not not counting Game Genie and stuff like that. That's not yeah, it. that's 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 interesting. My parents would never have agreed to let me call the Nintendo Hotline, so I never even tried. I I it took some convincing. It was definitely not I'll the bet. first time I asked that they were like, sure, no. I had to nag them for it. All right, so I guess it's my turn for most memorable. Yeah, sounds like it. All right, so I'm going to have to go with uh, a most memorable experience for me rather than the most memorable game because I remember all these games very, very well, but it's the experience that sort of sets it apart. Um, So for me, it is the memory of the first time beating Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Mm -hmm. Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego is a game that was gifted to me by relatives one Christmas, and it came out in 1985. So I'm guessing they gave it to me in 1986. So, you know, spoiler on my age, I must have been six. Uh, and uh, five or six, and 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 um, my parents are confused. Like, why are you giving it this? Are you, are you sure you want to give him this game? It comes with an an, uh, an atlas where you're supposed to read through to find all the world facts. This is not the kind. What is this? But they they gave it to me, and I installed it, and I started playing it, and I learned how to do research from this game. It was an educational game. That was the whole point of it. Uh, but the experience was so good, it kept me going back to it. The game was well-designed, and I learned a lot from it, but I also just had a ton of fun. And then eventually, I played it enough that I got through the whole thing, and I figured out how to actually catch Carmen Sandiego, which wasn't just you know solving one mystery. You had to solve like 10 or 15 mysteries in order to get through all the things and finally catch her. And I was so happy, so ecstatic about the fact that I finally got to the end. I caught Carmen Sandiego. I beat this game. I danced downstairs to the kitchen where my mother was and I was twirling with my arms outstretched, so happy and my exuberant in my joy about beating this video game that I knocked the radio off uh, the counter and broke it. I was going to joke that you knocked over her beer or something. <laughs> I was going to say you were the king of the world like doing Leonardo DiCaprio thing. So it's a little thing. But these games are so meaningful to us. They give us so much joy. And it's not just the experience. It's something special when you're able to beat these games, when you do something special in it. And the fact that I broke the radio is awful. But the <laughs> fact that I got to that point and it made such an impact on me. And then, of course, there was the, the reinforcement of, well, I should have done that. I'll be a little bit more cautious next time and not let my excitement get over the top. But I think that might have been the first video game I ever beat. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty memorable. Did you watch the TV show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was super into the TV show, too, because it was like, yeah, I love that game. And <laughs> then it wasn't it wasn't all that great at times. I mean, the TV show was OK. Uh, I still enjoyed it. It has good, mu- has good, good music, song. though. Hit good it, music. Acapella. Have you watched the, have you watched the Netflix series? Uh, an episode or two. Um, but I think it was coming on about the time I canceled my Netflix subscription. Okay. So we tried to get the kids to watch it and they weren't interested. So that was the end of that. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, all right. So this was another one that I struggled with. Um, just figuring out something that was more memorable than everything else. So I'm just going to do one quick nod. I know it's slightly cheating, but one quick nod just to the game Freedom Force because it's the only Nintendo game I remember having blood in it. It was a Zapper game. Um, but that's the literally the only reason I remember I remember it is because I was like, 
there's blood. Ooh, I better not tell my parents probably or something, you know, but, yeah, as, as I'm shooting the TV with a gun. So whatever. Um, but I'm going to go with my actual most memorable is a game called the guardian legend, which we're talking about kind of quote unquote Zelda killers. That was probably, that was what I played instead of playing Zelda. And it's a, cause it's a smash up. If somebody probably most people have not played this, um, there's kind of an overworld where, but it's all science fiction. So it's not fantasy, but, um, but there's an overworld that's kind of like Zelda where like, you know, you hit an edge of the screen and it pans over, and, but you're shooting guns, but you can also change your weapon. Like it has a whole weapon selection system. And like, you could use like a sword that stuck out both directions. And then you had like get next to enemies to hit them or like a spread gun or a focused gun or like a burst gun. There were all these different options you could use for that world. Then what you were doing is you'd eventually get to a dungeon kind of like Zelda and you'd hop into the dungeon and all of a sudden, it turns into a top-down shooter game, kind of like um, all I would think of Gradius that goes left to right. But this one, you know, you're shooting up the screen, and like then it turned into that type of game where you know there's enemies and you have to dodge all that, and then there's these big, usually there's like some guy with a big eye you have to shoot at the end of the level or something. And just I I played it over and over, never getting very far. And then I don't know what age I was. I finally went back and I was like, I'm going to finish this game. And I went back and I finally have a memory of rolling the credits on it. Like you finally like get off the world somehow and like you're flying out in space for the final level. And like, that's where your the final enemy is. And like, yeah, I didn't go dancing around the house probably when I finally beat it. It was probably more just cathartic of like, I finally finished this damn game. Well, you know, damn in, in the best way. Cause like I, I loved that. I loved <laughs> it, that game. It had frustrated you for a decade or more sometimes it feels like, right? Yeah. But it's like, it's one of those games like where I think of playing Nintendo. It's like, yeah, that's one of the first five games i think of playing it and just sit here talking about it i remember more and more of it too about like yeah the, that weapon system and the i can see some of the screens in my mind and the the character um, and i want to say it's one of those it's probably an androgynous character because there's no there's no real story to speak of like you don't know as far as i know if you don't know why you're on this planet you don't know who exactly you're fighting or like where you're trying to go or i guess you're just trying to get off the planet obviously i don't know what the guardian is or why there's a legend about it but sure there's probably a page in the front of the instruction manual i mean honestly the same thing goes with i know we're piling on here but legend of zelda like everyone thought <laughs> that the protagonist was zelda for a while right like and why was there a legend about like yeah these nintendo games were not known for having like the, the most yeah actually uh, in-depth story i you know what is that 30 almost 35 years later i guess and i'm just now drawing the line that they put the word legend in the title of this game <laughs> of, of of guardian the, the legend like yeah. i wonder if they did that to try to either tack on or as like a shot fired across so like no this is how you do a legend type of thing like but i don't know i don't know it seems seems like if you're naming your game with the word legend in it and i could yeah, go and i could i could go see how many games had the word legend in it. i'm sure a lot of them did on nintendo Speaking of all these story things, to get us back, you know, we did the story already, but I just wanted to reiterate, I had to try hard at points. It was really easy for me to slot Dragon uh, Warrior 4 into the best story because it's so good and so obvious and such an important game for me. But after Dragon Warrior 4, if I wanted to pick my second best story, it drops like a rock really, really fast. <laughs> Games in this generation have 
no story or bad stories or it, it, it's not something that is a feature so when you find the ones that do have the story uh, like the ones we've been discussing in that category it is really remarkable and it does set them apart significantly all right to be fair there's at least six games that start with the word legend uh, it's not that unique <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it, it seemed like that was an overused word in nintendo games maybe because of legend of zelda i don't know maybe they started it but well it's okay. like super with super nintendo games right yeah. everything had to be super yeah. Oh, 19, okay, that's a better example. The, the the ship levels in Guardian Legend are more like a game like 1942. Right. That, mm. that, that, that style of scrolling. Um, apparently, that, that change of game mechanics is something that came about later in the Nintendo generation. I remember uh, Contra, uh, probably something we'll talk about a little bit later on, but it had the side-scrolling run-and-gun shooter levels, and then it had the top-down shooter levels in between as well. Or, and those really made a, a difference in how the game played. Well, it wasn't even... Yeah, I, they weren't even top down. Like those were like almost like a <coughs> gears of war. Kind of. Yeah, they were like a gears of war style. Right. Kind of the best, first the best, person-ish, third the person-ish. best they, yeah, the best they could do a third person over the shoulder game on Nintendo probably. I was that's much actually, worse at those sections. No, not surprisingly. That's actually what I was thinking about when you were describing the game. I'd never played the game before, but I'm like, this sounds a lot like Contra because you were talking about the spreader gun and the burst gun, like different so, types yeah, of guns. Yeah, and I'm sure they the, took then the switch when you go into dungeons. Yeah, I'm sure they did, but yeah. Um, uh, so just real quick, apparently you're the guardian, that's who you control, <laughs> on a quest to destroy a large alien infested world named Naju before it reaches the planet Earth. I had no idea that was the plot of the game. <laughs> <laughs> so n- to, not to your the best point, story. Sometimes, sometimes the story is not so obvious. Other times they do a really good job. Of it. But you do but feel it's like still I mean, a fun game. You do feel like a badass. You feel like a yeah, you do feel like a guardian or a legend in it. Sure. I'll keep I'll keep pumping this game. I really want to I really want <laughs> to wait to play legend. I really want to wait to play it again. That's not just an emulator. Maybe I'll remain. You don't still have your Nintendo? I still have my Nintendo. I, I've, it's a, it, I've unfortunately it's a, it dropped all my systems along the way. I'm down to a Switch and an Xbox 360. My Nintendo is safely in a box in the closet labeled not obsolete, but highly specialized video game equipment. Oh, I do have... I've tried to make it obsolete, and I was like, no, it's not obsolete. I do have an original Game Boy, probably. Lord knows if it works. All right. So, since we're talking about all that and waxing poetic, Paul, what's your personal best game... For this Personal best. <clears throat> so, um, I generally try to avoid uh, doubling up, double dipping, because, um, you know, you want to try and, like, like Travis knows this, because he's been trying to pick two games for a lot of these categories. Like, you want to try and get as many different games in there as possible, but to be honest, there was a clear uh, number one for best game here that I couldn't avoid, and it happened to be the one that I had already picked for most fun with friends, and that's Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh, that game is uh, a, a a technical achievement. Um, I mean, you compare that game with almost any other game, just the the sheer amount of variety of mechanics involved, the, the different suits. I mean, we've already gone over like the various types of mini games in there. Um, it was a game that uh, I'm sure blew sales numbers out of the water in terms of uh, games sold that weren't packaged with the Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, it had, as mentioned before, a movie made based on the game basically kind of right like the, it, it was a commercial movie probably doesn't yeah it, that movie probably doesn't get made without the game um and it is just uh such a such a great game overall it's um hard enough but not too hard it's got plenty of little like hidden things like warp whistles and um you know it, it's it's just 
such a, a good solid game and it really showed how the games when you compare it to like the the first super mario brothers or or just basically any other game it, it shows how far the the console uh had advanced during its lifetime and it was really impressive so super mario brothers 3 it set a very high bar for platformers for a very very long time yeah To me, that's still kind of the earliest example of Nintendo's excellence in terms of creating like a just a a kind of defining game of of a certain type, right? Like they're kind of known. Nintendo's kind of known for making like really, really great games, and I think Super Mario Bros. Three is is maybe the first of that like example of like wow, even everyone kind of has to like bow down and and, and admit this is a pretty great game. You want to add anything, Travis? Well, Andrew, can you top that? Well, um, I'm going to try, and you guys are going to disagree with me, because my choice for personal best is Mule, the 1983 game that was uh, originally released for PC, uh, Commodore, Atari, and eventually where I finally played it on the NES. Uh, It is multi-use labor elements, space exploration and exploitation of the planet uh, Icarus, I believe, and... The goal is to make as much money as you can. Now, that sounds like a weird thing for a video game in that time, because it is. There are very few games like this, and it is just the best at what it does, because there's nothing else like it. But it's just solid fun all the way around. And again, it's one of those where you can't really beat it, but you can win every game that you play if you want to. The hardest part about the game is that after a little while, you can destroy the AI. They're just not good enough. But if you play it with other humans, speaking of co-op play, I've never been able to play it with humans except on rare occasions. And it's usually with new players, and they get very disappointed because I beat them soundly because I've got so many more hours of experience in playing with them. Uh, But when I can play it, it's a much better experience with other players. And I look forward to the day when I can actually play play people who also love it. Uh, and I'm I'm planning on doing it soon. But in terms of just design excellence for what it is trying to do, Mule sets out to be an economy simulation game and sets the rules and then lets it happen. And everything works exactly the way you would expect to with a macroeconomics understanding of the, how things work in the economy. And it is fantastic and fun. There's enough random elements and there's inflation if you need to have it. You can break the game in so many interesting ways it's infinitely replayable and fun for me and my stat and math and economics head never played it <laughs> I've, he- I've heard of it i think you and maybe another friend in college talked about it maybe yep um we, we played some similar games but i don't think we ever played mule we may have played it once or twice and and they were pretty good at it but i definitely played it a lot more so one thing that i'll note that's in, that's just amusing me is so paul went with i'm not i can't look up the number right now but probably i'm gonna bet the best selling nintendo game of all time to mule that sold thirty thousand copies total i'm assuming that's across multiple systems (laughs) that's pretty Um, on brand i think so (laughs) but i have to agree with paul that that super mario brothers 3 was the best is Yep. Not just the personal best. Doesn't give me any pride bucks, though. Not, not, the, not just the personal best. It's the objectively best game on this. Well, we've established it, right? <laughs> two, two, two people versus one can't be wrong. Two to one, As yeah. that, that's how economics... Like millions that's of how copies e- sold. That's how economics work, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's how opinions work. Everyone has to agree now. <laughs> but, like, I mean, yeah. Kind of like how, you know, Final Fantasy established so much of what this, that series has had. Like, how many games copied Super Mario Bros. 3 overworld map? And, like, there are suits in Mario Brothers 3 that 
I'm not sure we've seen again. I mean, I, I guess the, the Tanuki shoot suit kind of shows up, but not to the memorable. They're like, you don't get to hop around in a shoe. I don't remember <laughs> yeah, doing so that the, anymore. The boot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like establishing the different worlds. I mean, what the first Mario Brothers had, Super Mario Brothers had, like what underwater and not underwater. That was like your two <laughs> worlds, right? I mean, like and the, and the dungeon. Yeah. Oh, and a dungeon, sure. But this one had. You know, each one had, you know, the ice. It had level. like eight, the, eight worlds, yeah, right? The ice, and it's not just like, sure, you have ice and desert and stuff. But then you have the giant world. Yeah. Like, wh- and you have, you do- uh, yeah. And then you have the airships. The airship like, battles were a lot of fun. Each yeah. of the mini bosses having their own attack patterns was pretty. Um, it wasn't new because Mega Man had been doing it already, but they took all the ideas that existed in all these other genres that were doing stuff so well and said, yeah, we can do that, and we can do it well enough and make it fit our game while still being fun and approachable. And it gave it, like, it was leaps and bounds ahead in storyline. Sure, it's not it's not <laughs> Final Fantasy or anything. No, but, like, compared to, yeah. like, your Princess in Another Castle, to give Bowser a family and, like, have, yeah, like, okay. establish, yeah. like, it started establishing, like, okay, there's a... Now we kind of know a little bit what the Mushroom Kingdom is. And, like, apparently it's populated by toads, but ruled by a white lady. And an Italian <laughs> plumber is their superhero. But then there's these weird turtle guys that are the bad guys. Like, it all just started making as much sense as that ever will. <laughs> I was going to say, you're not making a good case here for that making sense. No, but, it, it's but some, sure. like it's some that story somehow has stuck around as the template all the way through, like, Super Mario Odyssey, even. Like, I mean, that's, that's how... I mean, Odyssey starts with, like... Koopa marrying Peach. It's like, what? <laughs> like, I, I don't understand how this is even going to work, but okay. Um, but yeah, just... Yeah. What's the mechanics there? How does how exactly does that uh, then, consummation of the marriage work? Be, being able to bank your items and bring them up later on. So like, you know, you oh, like I want to I want to save the raccoon leaf for this one or like just on and on. Yeah, I think I think Paul made the case and I'll just pile on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm have, I, I'm, I can't disagree. It's a great it, game, but yeah. I, I'll be honest. It wasn't even on my list at any point. It's one of the ones I wanted to make sure I was talking about because wow, I, not I even a worthy for it, it did it, not it, even make my worthy of discourse list. It's also sure I, I, eccentric I it, man I with eccentric taste. Myself, and I yeah. recognize that that is a very good game and a very popular game. But in terms of how it meant for me, it wasn't. It was just a. It was just a game. It was right. just a well, game. I'm sure there are people yelling at us for not having you know Zelda here or. Somebody would have wanted Mega Man Two to be here, or Ninja Guy. And yeah, there's there's hundreds of games that could go here. That there are a lot. This the, this is an entire generation worth of games, and it's really hard to to narrow it down to even just the five or ten we may be doing. Yeah. But I don't think too many people can say that you guys are clearly wrong in your choice. <laughs> they can definitely say I'm clearly wrong, but they're wrong in saying that. This is my personal best. Mule is amazing, yes. and thirty thousand copies is a shame. That, I'll buy that, thirty thousand copies myself. <laughs> They'll probably cost you two dollars, but actually, it'll probably <laughs> cost you a ton more than that. I'm sure. Um, that's also why we make sure to put personal on this, right? Like, yeah, we're not trying to be objective about it. Um, so, but we talked about all sorts of other games that we'd want to talk about. Now's the chance. All right, this the worthy of discourse, the worthy of discourse section, the lightning round. So, I want to kick this off with with one that wasn't actually on my list. So I'm going to call it a bit of a mulligan because Andrew, I believe, you picked Tetris for me as a I game. I did, yes. So. Uh, full disclosure, we've had a lot of discussion behind the scenes about like how how to divvy up the generations, right? PC games, uh, mobiles, uh, all so on and so forth. I, I initially had Tetris for most fun with friends. And as I was looking through, I'm like, you know what? I didn't play Tetris on the Nintendo. I played it on the Game Boy. And Game Boy is slotted in a later generation. 
Correct. And so n- not trying to spoil anything because I honestly don't think I've done the next generation yet for this. So I'm not trying to give you guys any pointers, but I decided to remove it here because I figured if it Tetris belongs anywhere, it is not in this generation. That definitely so, makes sense. Tetris okay. being on the Game Boy was the breakthrough. It was the game on Game Boy. You are absolutely right there. Uh, I can't deny that. But it did exist on both the Nintendo and on PC in this time frame. So it's a game yeah. of this generation, even though its most iconic iteration in this era uh, was on the next generation. I think, it was And also- I'm pretty sure I played it on the computer. So it's, it's certainly worthy of discourse. Sorry, Travis. Well, I think also there's a little bit of sordid history with it on the Nintendo because I think my memory, I played it far more on the Game Boy than ever on the Nintendo. And I think the time I played on Nintendo, although I think it's listed as not published, but I, I'm i pretty sure one of my friends had the, the Tengen, Tengen. It was an unlicensed copy. So actually, no, it was released. It was just unlicensed. Um, so it was like a black cartridge. All the all the all the Tengen cartridges were black because they were unlicensed. They they didn't have. Oh, it wasn't. The, it didn't have the seal of approval. Did not have the seal of approval. Yeah. Um, there's there's further uh, chicanery going on with Tetris because my recollection is that because the inventor um, had a fair number of disputes about the game, many copies of the game were sold without him getting any of the proceeds. It be, yeah. So there's a go read the book. Um, it's I've. It's Tetris. It's from um, first, second graphic novels by Box Brown. Go read that. And yeah, it explains the whole way that he got there. It wasn't really he got screwed. There was just like mass confusion on all sides about who actually owns the license and who had the license where. And and the fact that he was working for Soviet Russia at the time. So Soviet Russia yep. was like, no, we own the game. You can't, you can't go <laughs> and make if Soviet Russia the game. Owns it, then everyone in Soviet <laughs> Russia owns it. Yeah. So in Soviet Russia, game copyrights you. I mean, it's, it, it does kind of get, there's a little bit of talking heads element to it. Cause you know, it's a lot of, a lot of the story is just guys in suits and rooms, but it, it's a very fascinating book. And I know there's other Tetris books, but that's the one I've read. Anyway, so yeah, I, I just want to fit that in there. A little bit of lightning round. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Was definitely one of my worthy discourses because I similarly had a lot of fun playing that on the computer and ha- remember the atlas. And I don't know if I ever caught her. I, I think I might have. If I did, I did not prance around the house and knock over any radios. <laughs> it didn't make as big of an impact on you. It <laughs> apparently not. But um, but I definitely remember having a lot of fun playing the game. I, I may not have. I'm I'm willing to admit that. Um, and. Uh, Legend of Zelda, I, I, it's it's worth mentioning because I do love me some Zelda games, and I'm sure they'll show up later on um, in later generations, but um, just couldn't fit it in anywhere here. Uh, Contra, um, up, up, yep. down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, BA, Not select, start. the first iteration of the Konami code. No, but it's the one that I use the most yes, by far. The, Contra is the game that brought it to everyone's attention. It existed in Gradius first, but we all recognize it because of our experience with Contra. It's like, this game is freaking hard. Please give me 30 <laughs> lives because three is not going to cut oh, it. Yeah. Cause, How cause, the hell did they expect you to beat that game with two lives? Because Gradius, e- Gradius was easy or something? <laughs> You're like, this game is hard. <laughs> that, that, that's fair. Like All Nintendo games are hard. But um, yeah, I definitely Contra is probably in top five in terms of the games I've logged the most hours in, just because it it it, it was a good solid game. Yeah, um, so. definitely one I remember more in the arcades, but I also did play it on the Nintendo. Yeah, and uh, the last one I I want to mention is, and I'm really disappointed I couldn't find any place to put this is, but is it's Ducktales. Yeah, okay. Ducktales. <laughs> you I had may that not as a guess for you at one I was, point, but I had I was to gonna... take it off at the last minute. Yeah, my guess. Yeah. One of my guesses for you is either going to be Ducktales or Chippendale. 
Yeah, uh, Chippendales, uh, yeah, I, I also thought about adding that, but I was trying to keep it short for the Worthy Discourse, and that one was one of the first cuts. But, um, yeah, DuckTales, surprisingly solid game. Normally you think of, like, a game based on a property like that, you're like, oh, they're just going to phone it again. No, the really good music, um, surprisingly good music, uh, really solid mechanic that's kind of strange. You're playing Scrooge McDuck, so, like, an elderly duck, and yet you use your cane as a pogo stick, and you're also use it to, like... Yeah, you're extremely spry and like you're you're knocking like things. It's got uh, cameos from Gizmo Duck and Bubba Duck and and very uh, levels that are very uh, very varied, if you uh, will. They're well designed. Um, when you have a platformer, yeah. you want well designed levels, and these levels well designed. are well designed levels. And the bosses yeah. are fun and engaging, and again challenging. But you could beat this. This is a game where a kid could play it for fifteen twenty hours and get good enough to beat it most probably didn't but you had fun going along the way and you could if you wanted to wasn't there Unlike also, yeah, contra wasn't there a point <laughs> yeah. where because he also used his cane as like a golf club weapon wasn't there like a point where like you tried hitting a bowling ball or something and it like it doesn't go anywhere and he like does the cartoon oh, yeah, character like shiver thing yeah like yeah there's plenty of things that you can't actually but, hit with it and he healed like yeah little touches like, like that. that yeah made it yeah it was is very well polished um did you play and, the remake uh you know i started to and it just it wasn't the same. Um, well, it the question was, is also: Did you leave it on original controls or new controls? I actually don't remember. There were, it was like somehow a difference in like how you pogoed, whether you had to hold the button down or something, or you could just. I I think I kept it the original then. So you you have a jump button and it causes you to jump. If you jump and then you're in the air and you press down, then you pogo. In the uh, new version, which was, um, I'm blanking on the developer, that they've done a lot of good work uh, developing games, including Shantai's games. Um, so they, they know their stuff when it comes to platforming. They, they ported uh, and remastered these games, and they did so lovingly. They gave a graphical overhaul, but it was the same game, the same level design, the same mechanics. But as an easier option, they made it so that you could pogo just by jumping. You didn't have to jump and then press down. Way forward, is that what you're talking Way about? Way forward, that's the team. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so, and and to your point, I think they did tone down the difficulty just a tad bit, because I remember getting pretty far in the game, and I maybe even beating it. Um, I'm not entirely sure, and, and that speaks poorly to my memory, but um, I do have very fond memories of that game, and I remember being a, a very good game, surprisingly good game. And so those are my worthy of discourse. I'm going to throw in a couple. Uh, I'm going to add one at the start that is both also very memorable for me with a quick story, and uh, that's probably the reason why I find it so particularly worthy of discourse, not just because I had fun with it, but because of how it came into my possession. Uh, I was at a state fair, and they had a booth where there was a, a guy was selling video games, and this game was there, and he was selling it very, very cheaply, and I didn't know what it was. And he said, yeah. I can't sell this game. No one. Will, they put it into the thing. My test Nintendo here, and they play five minutes of it. And they can't figure it out. They don't want it. So I'll tell you what. If you can beat the first level, I'll get, sell it to you for half price or something. So I'm like, oh, I'll take this bet. I plug it in, and it's Defender of the Crown, and you have a jousting section and uh, area control strategy, and it's it's Robin Hood against the. It's craziness, absolute craziness in medieval England. And the game, no wonder no one could play this because no one. The game is very poorly explained and it doesn't make any sense. And there are so many genres mashed up into it. But I figured out how to beat the first level. I got that discount, and then I took it home. And I played it to death, and I figured out how to beat it, and it was great. But that is definitely a deep, deep cut. It's not an amazingly good game, but in terms of something that 
is under the radar and better than people would have given it credit for because it's you know people play it for that first five minutes and like I don't know what this is I don't want to have anything to do with it and this, it has a series there's been remakes of it so other people do like it but it is way out there more obvious deep cut from Andrew <laughs> <laughs> more obvious choices would include something like Mega Man we've mentioned the Mega Man series but I want to talk about the original Mega Man because the original Mega Man was the one that I played the most. I never played Mega Man 2. I played Mega Man. And that was one, I have a recollection of being it, but I may only have gotten to the final castle. Typical Andrew. I only played the first one. Well, (laughs) that's what I had access to. Right, no, it was was a lot of access at that age. You had the same video game rental place I did. Come on now. Yeah, (laughs) but I think I was probably doing more Super Nintendo games by that point, since this was later into the generation. Even Mega Man came out in 1987, so um, a friend of mine had it, and I was able to borrow it from him. And I got to the point, at least where I was into the final castle, I was able to beat all of the bosses consistently, which was tough, because Gutsman is ridiculously hard. That level his, his his level is hard, yeah. That level is insanely hard, and you know if you want to have the ideal path, I think you go Gutsman first and then Cutman. But everyone skips Gutsman's level because it's so hard and goes straight to Cutman. Yeah, no, I, I certainly did because I'm like, fuck that, I'm not going to play Gutsman's <laughs> level right now. <laughs> Do that after you get to the thing that lets you extend the beam, and you can. But if you can pat- platform your way through that and beat Gutsman, then Gutsman is like two hits on Cutman, and you're through the rest of the game. Yeah. Well, until you get to the stupid boss. That, um, I can't remember his name. The one-eyed guy who just yeah, goes across he, the screen. Yeah, he, he splits apart and you have to platform. Yeah, I think that and might... You, I can't. I have a recollection that I beat it, but I'm pretty sure that I actually died on that screen. I said, whatever, I beat the game. It's good <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. And you don't even have slide to slide underneath this stuff. Man, no. that, that was a brutal game. Those games I, were hard. Mega Man 3, I think, is the one I probably played the most, although I think that's just because random happenstance, right? more than anything else but that that is the game i think where they introduced either the mega buster or the slide I'm, or maybe both i'm not sure um but yeah I, mega I man the 1 simplicity was of mega brutal. man 1 it, although it's also extremely frustrating at points because it's so simple in that they give you no margin for error for some of those things you got to make that jump really pretty much pixel perfect otherwise you're not getting on the ladder and you're following two screens yeah or dying <laughs> or dying but yeah, you're following two screens, which means you're going back and forth across four screens because it's two screens down, which means one screen down, two screens down, two screens over, one screen up, and it's, it's a whole process. You didn't die, but you just wasted 10 minutes. And all the enemies yeah. respawned while you were doing this. Now, not the tangent yeah. is too far, but have any of you tried to have your kids play any of these type of games? Not recently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so now. Yeah, okay. yeah, it wouldn't fly. It wouldn't fly. Well, I'm playing, it's slightly toned down, but I'm playing new, uh, let me see if I get the title right, new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe La. <laughs> um, on Switch with my son. And yeah, he's he's slowly picking it up. But yeah, like for the longest time, it was like, he still doesn't really get the concept of, I have to hold a button to go faster and then jump and I go further he he still can't even wrap his head fully around that like or the just like the physical mechanic and i showed him my thumb and i was like you see this thumb it bends <laughs> backwards because of nintendo all right that's why <laughs> no you can like you can clearly see my right thumb bends further back than yeah, my, I, my other thumb I, yeah I, this my thumb the same way. It's like, dude, I think mine might too. Okay. Now i got that blisters i got blisters this on is my riveting le- podcasting i got blisters on my left thumb from the damn d-pad that that d-pad was rough on your fingers that's for sure all right do you have any more worthy i have discourse, a c- or c- c- I... couple more real quick so um okay. travis you mentioned this one already so i'll go quickly on it but rampage 
in the yep. arcade, certainly, but I played it more at home. I remember uh, renting it from that store, and uh, then I was like, well, uh, I've been playing it for like 50 levels, and I have infinite lives because I'm playing it on the cartridge at home. I want to see the end of this game, but it's bedtime, and my parents are insisting that, no, I've got to, well, can I just, like, there's no save state. There's no cartridge chip for it like Zelda. I got to leave the Nintendo on overnight, and that was a big deal, and so I could come back the next day and finish it. You just pray for no power outage. I think exactly. I did that with a, I think I did that with a couple games, and you're just like, I or like I hope the cat doesn't bump into it or something. <laughs> and it, it's so not worth it because as you get deeper into it, they just <laughs> the the cities you destroyed start getting rebuilt, and you go back and you have to destroy them again. It's crazy how much they extend now, that game. You played it in the arcade though, or I did play well, a little I mean, bit you, in the arcade because the arcade. I think only the arcade had Wolfman, right? Yes, because you could play a three player in the arcade, and you could only play a two player. Yeah, and uh, Wolfman was one they took out. So you had the monkey and you had Liz. Yeah, you're not going to call uh, him King. You're not going to call him King Kong. All right. Yeah, I mean that's copyright infringement, <laughs> right? So whatever he was, but yeah, it's, he's got, King Kong, and he's they've got Kai issues destroying cities. That's all it's all about. Yeah. And it was fun. It's it's mindless destruction. And I tell you what, I don't remember how many levels it had, but it was an insane number of levels. And by the end, you're tired of it. You're like, okay. I'll- I want to say 255, but that could just be because that's the maximum number you can fit in 8 bits. I don't know. I'll look it up later on, but I, I did get to the end of it. It was like, well, that was not worth my time when I finally done with it. But I do remember that experience, and it was a lot of fun playing it for fun in between. Um, two quick ones then. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The first one? The first one. Mm. Of course, not the second one that's actually good, but the first yeah, one. Yeah, fir- okay, th- thank you, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The second one I'm going to talk about as an arcade game, and if we're going to talk about that as the arcade game, it's in the arcades, and that is not in this generation because it was in the arcades outside of the range of the time. It's not on the Nintendo. What? How does that... Wait, but it's called... I guess it, is, I guess it was on the Nintendo. Yeah, but... it was called Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, and it had two more levels than the arcade game. Uh, fine anyway i'm still sticking with the first one because of that damn water level first of all oh, yeah but also oh, yeah. Nobody swimming through those electrical through. seaweed yes i, I, I mean I've seen people speed run this game now and it's insane but that game that water level and everything about this game again designed for kids fans of this tv show ridiculously hard now but i would say get coming back for some reason now i would say i would say the first one is more memorable in my mind but I do know I played two far more and had far more much fun playing it. But yeah, like the underwater level, going through and diffusing, driving around in the turtle van on the overhead level and stuff like that. Like Then going into that one sewer level and you instantly die because you don't have <laughs> uh, the scrolls. Or like, you know, everybody arguing over who gets to be Donatello because you can kill like every- enemies below you and above you and stuff. Like, well, Donatello is uh, <laughs> objectively the best turtle and this game shows why. <laughs> he was objectively the best turtle in this game. But not in anything else. Uh-oh. Last is one. Pa- is Paul Leonardo guy? No. Raphael all the way. Raphael. Wow. wow. Oh, the hothead. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't really explain why, but he's clearly superior. All right. Andrew, what's your last game? Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Oh, the classic. The classic. Nah. And I mean, that, that's all I got to say. If you don't know this game, go watch somebody speedrun it blindfolded because it's insane. But it is just a fun game to actually play to you you learn the patterns you you box or you get knocked out either way it was a well-designed game it existed before the mike tyson uh tie-in but that just pushed it over the top in that era when mike tyson was the best boxer around and little mac is awesome in super smash brothers ultimate <laughs> I, I, I just granted i don't play against strong competition but but i destroy them when i play them all right that's so 
quick quick fact check i I tried to look up um apparently for the arcade version of rampage at least and it's probably different in nes but they say that rampage is set over the course of 128 days in cities across north america um after this the cycle of cities repeats five times so after 768 days the game resets back to day one as game developer Brian F. Collins stated, the hardware couldn't support that much art, and we never figured anyone would get through 768 levels. Maybe maybe I only did it once, and it started back to the same city. Yeah. I do, I do remember playing it for ridiculous amount of time. 128 is a, is a weird number, because that's... Oh, uh, no, I guess if... Sorry, but, this is... If, if, they yeah. use, if they use unsigned, fine. All right. <laughs> this is getting into... But anyway, the, again, this is... That's, but, uh, no, but... That's, I, that's but the arcade version. But, like, numbers like that do stick in my mind, because... The max amount of gold you can get in Dragon Warrior is the maximum amount you can fit into a signed 8-bit integer, I think. Not 8-bit. Is it 8 Probably not a coincidence. Probably, probably, probably higher. It's whatever 65,000. I should know this. But like whatever the, whatever the 65,000 power of 2 minus 1 is. Um, yeah. But that's like, that's talking about learning games. Like, that's one reason I learned what binary even was of like, I read that little factoid in Nintendo Power or something like it's like, what you can count by twos or something <laughs> or not by twos but by powers of two yeah um so we've hit pretty much almost all my worthy of discourses already like i had sorry no but well <laughs> blame paul he already mentioned contra um that oh, almost I see. Blame was paul and paul mentioned them not me <laughs> i see that was how it is. that was almost <laughs> my you mentioned crazy games <laughs> that was almost my most fun with friends probably but like i yeah but i had more fun with rampage um rbi baseball was another game that i played that, that was the one that I had the tie break with Rampage, RBI Baseball. But I only played it the one week of the summer I was back with my cousins. That was the only time I ever played it. And that's kind of a, th- a theme I noticed with a lot of Nintendo is I didn't own a terribly great number of these games. Like, I never owned Final Fantasy. I never owned Dragon Warrior. I never owned Zelda. You like, just had to make or, sure you, you had friends yeah. who owned different games than you. Different games. So you could trade them off. Right, I had like I had weird games like Guardian Legend, Legacy of the Wizard, Mylan Secret Castle, or you know games like that. Or I rented Rad Racer Two every weekend for God knows how long. Um, so see, so yeah, we've mentioned yeah a lot of them. Yeah, RBI Baseball is not you know a great baseball simulation game, but it was sure fun to play with my cousins. Um, Super Spike V Ball was one I have a fond memory of playing multiplayer, and it was like one of the only four player games. Speaking of Ninja Turtles, that's one of my memories is we were playing Super Spike V-Ball, we went to see Ninja Turtles 2, and then we came back and we played Super Spike V-Ball like the rest of the night. Now, as you know, like one of the first times, that was for, like the latest I had ever stayed up at that point in my life or something. And like, we went to see the movie at like nine o'clock at night, and that was the latest I'd probably ever seen a movie or something too. And, but yeah, just being able to play that game four player. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, I think I just rattled off a bunch of other games too, but Yes, I, mean, I could are. list. I could list so many. More. Yeah, keep, I think. Keep, I think we when can you're talking keep about going. an entire generation of games, it is incredibly hard. But we've certainly hit most of the highlights, the, the most important ones, I'd say. It also doesn't. and yours also and, Paul, and, and, and mine. All the most and, important ones <laughs> and mine. I say, and, and Paul and stole all mine. So yeah. So. <laughs> hey, great minds think alike. And then there's Andrew. All right. Uh, anything else you want to? We should touch on before we sign off for the night or the day. I get, we don't know when you're listening to this. <laughs> No, I think so just we're going to come, come back. back and we'll do Generation 4. Generation 4 will be Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and video games released on PC or arcade between 
1988 and 1992, I believe. We'll You're conf- correct. We will confirm that when we get to starting next one. But if you have a game that's really popular for you in that time, we'll be talking about it next time. <laughs> or not, because we, we might be missing well, it. We'll Paul, see. Paul and Travis will, and I'll screw yeah. you guys over. I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot of these names also next episode, too. Ooh, spoiler. Well, I'm just... There's a lot of games that were on both systems. We add Super in front of it, and then you'll you'll have our picks for next time. <laughs> yep. Super Chrysalis. Super Dragon Warrior 4. <laughs> all right. Nice talking with you all. Can't stop the discourse. I should have said Super Mule. <laughs>